As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Previously on About Them Cowboys. So where are you adding the talent? Where are you getting better? I truthfully don't know. Uh, Kyle Pitts, tight end from Florida, who can kind of be wide receiver too. Rashawn Slater tackle slash guard from Northwestern. Caleb Farley, um, Virginia Tech cornerback, Patrick Sertan, Alabama cornerback, and hell, I'll even throw in Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State. Those five guys. Which Is this one weird to say, KT, I kind of want him to draft Micah Parsons? I don't think it's weird to say at all, because I, I, I think... I, it's not like a huge need for them, but like, I kind of want some attitude and some some awesome playmaking on that defense at some position. I don't care. If you tell tell me he could be the next Bobby Wagner for Dan Quinn's defense, go get Micah Parsons at that. Yeah, like, come on, guys. Oh, my God. How about them Cowboys? Woo! Yeah! And with the 12th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Dallas Cowboys select Micah Parsons! How about them Cowboys indeed? All right, there it is, Cowboys Nation. The About Them Cowboys Magic 8 Ball strikes again. And Micah Parsons is your newest first round pick for the Dallas Cowboys. We had talked about this scenario in the past, I think more along the lines of our worst-case scenario episode a few weeks ago. So with how the draft played out for your Dallas Cowboys, no one who listens to this podcast should really be surprised about what happened. So we'll go over all that craziness here on this episode. So welcome in. Kent Garrison here, producing and running things behind the scenes and welcoming in the best of the best when it comes to talking all things Dallas Cowboys, especially the Cowboys draft. And those people are from the ticket slash the Athletic, Saad Youssef, from the Eagle, Kevin K.T. Turner, and from the Draft Show, Kevin K.T. Turner, I should say, and also from the Athletic, Father John Mishota. Boys, I was in Chicago for the draft doing our national broadcast, and, and you know, I had my eye on the entire league, but I couldn't help but, you know, keep my eye on the Cowboys, and, you know, J.C. Horn goes off the board, and and there's Denver, and I'm like, okay, Justin Fields is still on the board, so this is a really important pick if you're Dallas. And 
and it was Sertan, and I could not believe myself. I'm sure the reaction at at, at the star was was the same, but um, I had no idea where the Cowboys were going to go, and um, was quite shocked when they went the Market Parsons route. But you know what? Makes total sense when uh, they need to address this defense, and you know, big thesis for the entire draft was uh, was defense. KT. Absolutely, and you know, you knew they were going to fill a ton of needs. You know, well, I think one thing I always think about with these plans, like it doesn't matter how uh, what we think about a player or how we have it graded. What matters is did the Cowboys execute whatever type of goal that they had sought out to achieve, and clearly they sought out to make sure that they got a good defensive playmaker and an outside cornerback, and if that was the same player, that's fine. And then make sure they filled a bunch of holes when it came to depth as well. Um, and maybe offensive tackle, although I'm not sure that was one of their goals. Uh, we can talk about that here in a little bit. But I guess I walked away from that, and now I'll start with you, John. I think the Cowboys were very happy with what they accomplished because I think they did execute what their goal was, and that was to get defensive help. Absolutely they did. Um, I think the, one of the things I thought of throughout the draft was just how – Every time we did a mock draft, uh, obviously sad, we did a couple together. And even on here when we talked about them and that, like it just really shows you how meaningless, especially this year, doing a mock draft was because there were several that I did that I didn't even talk about or publish because I were like, this thing is just so ridiculous. It could never happen. And I'd come up with a situation in the actual draft that could have happened for the Cowboys that's even more absurd than that. Like the idea that you could have had Rashawn Slater at twelve, you at forty four, you could have had Jeremiah Wusa Koromoa or Aziz Ojolari. Uh, you could have Marvin Wilson in the sixth or seventh. You could have Dylan Moses in the sixth or seventh. Like, there's just like a lot of things that if you would have had that in your mock draft, people would been like, "That thing's not even realistic." What are you doing? But it just speaks to that there's so much more than just watching the guys. There's so much more behind the scenes, the medicals, character things. Uh, stuff like that, but that that specifically was in my mind, you know, late in the third round when they take, you know, Nishan Wright, who's a guy that, you know, Dane Brugler has as a seventh round guy or, you know, priority free agent, and they're taking him late in the third round, and, and you're thinking, this guy might not make the team. If you're taking him in the third round, this guy better be on your roster, and then they follow that up, though, at the top of the fourth the following day and get Jabril Cox, and it's like, okay, that's a great pick. If you would have had him instead of Wright, everyone would have loved it, you know? Um, so it's just interesting the way it fell, but it's very clear that they were looking to address the defense. And even with them saying that, I didn't expect them to go as heavy on defense as they did. You know, I didn't even think they would take 10 picks. I thought they'd end up trading something away, end up picking like eight or nine guys. But not only that, they pick 11 guys and eight are in defense. It's the most defense that they've taken since the drafts moved to seven rounds in 1994. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't think they'd go quite that heavy on defense, but I will say the biggest thing that they accomplished is you look at all three levels of this defense, there's plenty of competition there now. You know, whether you're talking D-tackle, some edge rusher help there, uh, you know, nothing on edge rusher that should affect, you know, Randy Gregory or, or, or Demarcus Lawrence, but the depth is certainly impacted major there. And then linebacker, obviously, things have changed quickly at linebacker. And then uh, corner, you know, Adam Joseph, that that's a key piece. He, he has, should have a great chance to start. Uh, as one of the outside corner spots. The only thing they didn't address on the defense really is safety. I mean, you know, late in the sixth round there, they take Israel Mukamo, 
who knows if he even ends up making the team. He thinks of himself as more of a corner, 6'4 guy, but maybe he ends up being working in the safety. Safety is the only thing in this draft that uh, that they didn't really address, and frankly, they didn't really have a great chance to because of the fact of if they wanted to get a good one, they were going to have to trade up in the second round because the top three all went before they went on the clock. Uh, and and honestly, even if they were higher up in the draft, let's say the, let's say the Cowboys were picking – they had the fifth pick in the second round. They weren't taking one of those safeties over Joseph. They wanted not getting corner in the first round meant they were taking corner in the second. And so even if Merrig was there, they were taking Joseph over him. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I think overall they did, like you said, accomplish their, uh, their their goal. I thought the way that they went about it was really interesting. And, I, and I'm glad, you know, we were able to speak with Dan Quinn because that did help a lot in understanding just, you know, why – you know, they are drafting a corner who's not on a lot of people's boards at all, but they're tra- taking him in the third third round or whatever, just because, you know, this is this is this felt very different from Jason Garrett drafts. And and I know that, you know, we're we're two years removed from that now, but last year just felt a little bit a little weird all over because of, you know, the pandemic, everything. But I just feel like, you know, with the way that they went about it, I feel like Dan Quinn had a huge say in, in the players that they did take uh and, and the I guess just the overall structure uh, of how players went off the board so I think you know overall they accomplished their goal but um but we'll, we'll see what happens at, at this point in the draft everyone always says all and, and this happened at the end of the first day this happened at the end of the second day where they're just like yeah we definitely got the guys that we wanted well of course you did it's it's the day of the draft you always get the guy that you wanted um on the day of the draft but we'll see how that pans out because I do think that there were some. I, I do think there were some holes that could have been filled, particularly safety, um, even if they weren't with premium draft picks. But you know, we'll see what happens there. Let me add this real quick, Katie. Uh, one thing yeah. I wanted to just because Saad mentioned Garrett. Uh, another major difference between this being a, a Garrett draft is, you know, there are several players here with some. Character, off the field, character concerns that Jason Garrett, <laughs> right kind of guys, not right that Jason, guy. <laughs> not that Jason Garrett never brought on guys like that, but certainly not all in one draft like this where you have some, you have some things that you got to keep your eye on there with 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 some of these guys off the field. And uh, generally, Jason Garrett leaned a little bit more towards team captains. Several of these guys were team captains, but he leaned toward that a lot more than I would say maybe uh, they have this year. Um, so that's one other thing that was probably different from the Garrett draft. Yeah, no, we, we know who those players are, and let's get into that when we zoom in. So let's zoom in on Michael Parsons right now. Let's start there. Pick 12. I want to explain to you what was going on for me on the air at the time, just for, for reference, and you guys, if you guys have these similar stories or, or, or you know, your thoughts. I'm, I was in the boat of I would have taken Slater over Parsons, but again, that doesn't matter. What was relatively intriguing, although I thought – it was really annoying that Tim Tebow and Aaron Rodgers tried to steal draft night. Like, guys, go away. <laughs> like, go that's away exactly for a little I bit. Said. Yeah, that's exactly when I saw the Tebow thing. I was like, this this feels exactly like Tim Tebow trying to get his name out there on on primetime television on during the draft, and, and nothing more than that. That's exactly right, Kate. That's what I exactly what yeah. I thought it was. I'm just then, glad Aaron Rodgers was there to put him in his place. Yeah, I know, right? But I think that was the draft. <laughs> well, then you, you hear all this buzz out of Denver. And Mark Schlereth, who works at a Denver radio station, and he's tweeting things out like, the deal is as close to done as possible, and things like that are happening, and you're going, wait. Well, if Denver's picking at 9, one pick ahead of the Cowboys at 10, 
then Green Bay is getting that pick if this trade is going down. And then as you if you just spend just three minutes looking at uh, over the cap and how contracts work, you very quickly realize, oh yeah, the Packers can't even make this trade because they don't have enough cap room and this thing can't happen. But as that pick was going down and in the really in the in the leading minutes before they went on the clock, uh, before Denver went on the clock, I was going, there's a chance this is Green Bay's pick. And and maybe it is down the road. Maybe Sertan is the pick that, that goes to Green Bay if that trade ends up happening. But that trade wouldn't make sense to happen until after June 2nd. But one thing that happened for me is I was doing the uh, the draft show uh, that I used to do with Kent back in the day, and uh, someone made the comment, they're not in the war room, and that's around pick eight. Well, Did you guys see the shot on TV? I don't know if y'all were watching when um, when they traded back of of just Charlotte sitting alone in the yeah. war room. That was yeah. that I laughed so hard. That was the most Cowboys sh- shot of all time. Like, oh crap, this isn't going our way. They trade back, and you know, I mean, it's not like they abandoned the draft or anything. But that was what happened there is they all had to go in the other room and be like, decide what that what the hell is going on instead of making a scene for the cameras, you know, it's like, let's go, let's talk this out. Let's, let's figure this out, you know? Um, and that, that was just a very indicative image of how this draft went for the Cowboys. Well, yeah, but like at 10, so when I was told that no one's in the war room, I'm sitting there going, okay, well, if they're not in the war room at eight, because things are happen ahead of time, for those who don't know, the draft is happening ahead right. of when it's announced on TV. And I'm sitting there going, okay, then they're trading back, right? Okay. They're trading back. So when I got to the star, there was rumors floating around that they had already been on the phone with the Bears at 20 and their GM, Ryan Pace. And I was like, if you're talking to the Bears, then you're getting two first-rounders next year. So that's happening. It turns out it was the Eagles. They traded back to 12. Obviously, the Eagles take Devontae Smith at 11. I mean, at 10. Uh, Then the Bears and the Giants have the trade for, for Justin Fields at 11. And then you have, at 12, the Cowboys take Micah Parsons, who's a very good player. But, uh, John, I'd like to get your thoughts on it because I think we all agree that he's a good player on the field, but there's a, there's a lot there. There's a lot to drafting that player, not only with what you already have on your roster, how he fits in. I mean, there's, there's a ton to unpack with Michael Parsons. Yeah, he's one of those guys that we mentioned. There's some character concerns there that uh, he's had to address with every team that he talked to. And, you know, these guys are going to be prepared with what they say because – their agents, other people around them are going to prepare them in the in the pre-draft process to answer these questions uh, in the best way possible. As I always say, actions speak louder than words, and we'll see what happens and you know see how everything works out with him with the Cowboys. But that was a thing that was connected with Micah Parsons. Anytime you would talk about him, it was more than just the player on the field. There was you know some concerns off the field, and so uh, if if they don't have to deal with any of that, and he's and he's healthy and he plays, I think he'll, everything will take care of itself for him because he is a special talent. There's no question about that. But I agree with you, Katie. I, I thought they should have taken Slater too. And uh, but with that being said, the fact that they didn't take Slater there, the fact that they had multiple opportunities to take offensive tackles in the third round, they could have taken one in the second. And because they didn't, and they didn't take one until the fourth, that should help Cowboys fans maybe feel a little bit better about the health of Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins. Because again, actions speak louder than words. And although the Cowboys have said all these positive things about those two uh, offensive tackles who missed all, if not, you know, well, 14 games missed for Tyron, all for Lyle. If they would have drafted, they had opportunities to draft offensive tackles there to if if they were really really concerned about that position, the fact they didn't that's that's a pretty good sign. 
for them because obviously those are key members of, of this offensive line. But uh, yeah, no, Micah Parsons. The other takeaway I'll have is so after the uh, post first round press conference, uh, Jerry Jones kind of hung out a little bit longer and and talked to a few of us, which is the first time he's done that really since the pandemic. So it was kind of felt like old times again. And I specifically asked him, you know, is this pick admitting that, you know, there was some failure there in your guys' part with Jalen Smith or Leighton Vanderesh? And he's like, no, no, no. I want to be real specific about that. No, he, Micah Parsons adds to what those guys do. Now, I'm not surprised that Jerry said that, but he really went in on the whole pass rush aspect of Micah Parsons and the possibility that he might be the best pass rusher in this draft because, one, it's not a great pass rusher draft. You wouldn't be saying that if you had a Miles Garrett in this draft. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even be saying it next year with Caleb on Thibodeau from Oregon. So it also says something about this draft class that a linebacker that went at 12 might be the best edge rusher. But here's the thing that we're going to want to have to see here is that watching the Cowboys over the last decade, they're not a team that blitzes a ton. And the history with Dan Quinn in Atlanta is that he wasn't blitzing a ton. But Micah Parsons said that when he talked to Dan Quinn after he was drafted, one of the first things they talked about was how often he's going to bring him on blitzes because of his special ability as an edge rusher. That's supposed to be the part where he can play with, you know, the typical linebacker spots. He's probably, we haven't seen him really a ton in coverage. I know KT, you've watched him like at Penn State. He's not really, mm-hmm. the coverage thing doesn't really jump out, but it's the ability to go downhill to get after the quarterback. That's where he could be a special player. Uh, and, and and the other thing is that he helps them be more multiple in defense, which is what Dan Quinn wants to do. So with all that said, I I think it's a, it's a really good pick, especially considering they, they got an additional third rounder out of it. They said that he was higher on their board. Multiple people have confirmed that he was higher on their board than the two corners. The only thing I will say about that is that I don't know that you even trade back two spots if you're absolutely like, oh my God, I can't believe this guy is here. I don't think you even trade back for that third rounder. You're like, we're taking him right now because you don't, even though you know Philly probably isn't taking him, you don't know what the Giants are going to do. And and look at what the Giants did. The Giants traded back to 20. Now, of course, hey, Justin Fields was there, so that made sense. But there's always a chance that another team comes up and is like, you know, Giants, we'll give you this because we know that all these defensive players are cleared out right now. The only other one there is Parsons. And if we don't jump in front of the Cowboys, they're going to take him. And you could have lost Parsons too. And then what happens if that that goes down? Then what do they do? I think it's Slater at that point, right? Yeah, probably. I think, Maybe. I think it's probably like they had two or three guys that were like, okay. Or quit well, or quitty pay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think they're trading to 15 because I think the Patriots might be moving up at that point mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. as well. Here's yeah, what knows what's at 15. Here's yeah. what yeah. What's stuck out to me just just uh, just quickly here. It, it, you know, speaking of what you're talking about, John, is that, you know, the offensive line in, in Tyron and Lyell, it convinces me not that that they feel good about their health uh, long-term, they feel great about it in the short term, right? Um, they feel great about it this season. They feel possibly better, you know, good about it next season. Um, and so, you know, if you draft a Rashawn Slater, yeah, he might be the left tackle of the future. But if you're trying to win now, who's the player that can help you now? And Michael Parsons, Parsons was the player that can help you yeah. right now. And this, we talked about that, you know, previously. It's like if they draft Penny Sewell, what do they do with him? Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's probably going to be, you know, pro bowler eventually. But like, if you've got a healthy Lyell and a healthy Tyron, he's not he's not playing tackle for you. So so what do you do? And so, you know, when that situation arose for the Cowboys and the quarterbacks were off the board, it didn't surprise me to see them uh, go that direction because Micah Parsons can help them immediately. Yeah, and I, I, I think for me, I, I'm the same way. Like, I think it's a great pick. And obviously, he was the most talented player on the board. But 
the only point of hesitation that I kind of had was uh, we talked about premium positions versus not premium positions. Linebacker is not quite running back, but you know, it's, it's, it can be in that mold as John just, you know, got done explaining for like five minutes though. It's not, they don't plan to use him as a linebacker, which is, which is really good, good to hear because you don't, you don't, you can't afford to use him as a linebacker because no one plays a three, four, four, three defense anymore. You play nickel dime. You only have two linebackers on the field. If you're doing that, then you are either admitting that you were wrong about uh, Layton or Jay and or Jalen, or uh, or or you're not going to be able to use Micah as much as you want. So if he's used, being used as a pass rusher, I think it could be it could be a really good selection. All I'll say, and this is hindsight, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. But if you told me that you got Rashawn Slater, or really pick from the litter on, on what whatever was left in the first round. And then Jabril Cox in the in, in the later rounds. And if you told me like you know you you have Jabril Cox, Leighton Vanderesh, and Jalen, I still feel pretty good about the linebackers, even without Micah Parsons. Again, comes back to how you use Micah Parsons. But um, if they use him as a pass rusher, if they use him, the only the, well, the other thing is we heard this about Jalen so much last year, right? Where it was like, okay, if he can't do pass coverage, he can't do this. Use him on blitzes. Use him to come downhill and things like that. Different defensive coordinator, I understand, but you know it feels like we've kind of also heard this before. Let me just point out with that, though. That's because I think we got to a point, and a lot of people that watched the Cowboys got to a point where it was like, well, what can we do with Jalen? And it wasn't necessarily, oh, this is going to be great. It was, well, what can right. he do? Right. And let me just let me be clear on the whole Jalen rushing the passer. While he's done it at, at, a, at, a, he's done it at a solid level, especially when they've asked him to blintz, it was really what he was before the injury at Notre Dame when they really thought, and that's that's what you're going to get in Micah Parsons, where Micah Parsons is going to play linebacker. And and I will say no one should be surprised if Jalen Smith or Leighton Vander Esch aren't on the team next year. Like, like they'll be on the team this year, but I, I don't see them. Pick, oh, yeah. I don't see them picking up Leighton Vander Esch's fifth-year option. That doesn't mean that they yeah. won't re-sign him. I mean, they had him with Morris Claiborne, and they still ended up re-signing him, but I don't see them picking that up. And... They could they can find ways to get out of Jalen's contract. So Micah Parsons, you don't take him at twelve because you're like, yeah, we'll use you as a situational pass rusher here and there. No, you got him at twelve because you want him on the field all the time. So he's going to definitely play some linebacker. And well, he's going to play linebacker, but he's going to be used in in uh, kind of a hybrid way where he's going to be getting downhill a lot more and things like that. But um, I think that Jalen would have had more success in that pre knee injury, and then that also though is why or yeah, knee slash foot. Um, yeah, but that's also why Jalen fell to where he did because Jalen could have done all that pass rush and all that other stuff if he doesn't have that injury and he probably goes top five, six, you know, so I, I, cause I understand what you're saying side and I know a lot of people are going to make those parallels, you know, between the two of them like that. I just think that Micah Parsons has got a better chance to excel in that role than, than Jalen does. And if he's excelling in that role, Dan, it, he'll force Dan Quinn's hand. He'll have to use him more in that role. Yeah, and it's also yep. a flawed comparison on my part as well because Dan Quinn is a obviously new defensive coordinator. So, you know, he's going to have a, a new entire system, things like that. And so, yeah, I, I, it's not apples to apples. And, and I agree with you. I mean, you know, Micah Parsons is is far more talented now than what Jalen Smith is now. So it, you're it, absolutely right. And then the thing is, is okay, so Jalen's not going to be your guy going downhill blitzing on the quarterback. Jalen's not great in pass coverage. That certainly seems to be what Jabril Cox does at, at, at best. It seems like you're going to want right. Jabril Cox out on the field going against these running backs out of the backfield, going against these tight ends in, in you know passing situations. So, it, I mean, 
It doesn't look great for Jalen Smith right now that that pick was made. I mean, he's going to say positive things. It does not look good for him. No, no, they're going to cut him and they're going to wait. They're going to let him play one more year. And then the smart thing to do would be to cut him. Um, The thing is, they could have cut him a month ago before his guaranteed money kicked in. (laughs) And he got that roster bonus. They could have cut him then. But at the time, you're looking for for that outside cornerback. They they didn't know they were going to get Parsons. This, it's, it's, this is very loose. I don't want anyone to take this like literal, but it's like, okay, it's kind of like, well, you want Sean Lee and Bruce Carter to work out. Okay, Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith, we want this to work out. You know, maybe Michael Parsons and Jabril Cox is the next shot at this. And they're going to get a year to kind of get acclimated. Although I will say this, Micah Parsons doesn't come off the field now. Like Micah Parsons, you take him at 12, he is not coming off the field. Jalen Smith will have to come off the field. And if he's got a problem with it, I don't know. Maybe he needs to go work out with the defensive ends. I don't. I don't know what to say. But he's not coming. Like Micah Parsons, I'm taking you at twelve. He, you're not coming off the field. Well, here and again, like I always say, I actually speak louder than words. Um, much like I just said about the offensive lineman, them not taking one speaks volumes about what they feel like they have. When Dan Quinn was first hired and he did that interview with Pro Football Focus, it was still in the early stages. It was in January. He talked about how. I don't, I don't really want to comment on too many things right now because I got to watch everybody. I want to watch the, the tape of all these guys. They're on the defense right now, okay? So time passes. He's had to watch that film, okay? Maybe he yep. doesn't know this stuff behind the scenes. These are the actions that back it up. What's the biggest addition they made in free agency? It's Keanu Neal. Dan Quinn said last night, Keanu Neal staying at linebacker. What's the biggest addition they made in the draft? Micah Parsons. So do you think Dan Quinn watched the film of those linebackers last year and was like, no, it looks like, you know, we got a solid group here. I think I think we're going to just keep billing with Jalen and Layton. Uh, I have my doubts about that. <laughs> yeah, it's and, clear. And, and KT, to your point, like, just, just I, I think it's interesting when you when you talk about what they could have done with Jalen. You know, the fact that the draft comes after free agency, unlike, you know, the NBA where draft comes first, or draft comes first, then free agency. I do think it creates an interesting dynamic sometimes, especially with with the cap situation and how money is used. Because, hell, last year, if if you know you're getting CD, do you necessarily sign Amari to that money? Like, I don't know. I mean, if you know that you're getting Micah Parsons, do you make another decision on Jalen? I don't know. But that's something we'll never know. But it's just it's just something that's interesting how it unfolds. And I think everyone, Cowboys fans that are going to be skeptical of this defense, you know, I'm sure that many of us have seen on Twitter, there's plenty of Falcons fans that are that are skeptical of Dan Quinn's success and things like that. And hey, I'm not saying he's going about to turn this thing into Legion of Boom. But I will say one positive thing that you have to take away from this by the players they drafted, the way Dan Quinn has talked up to this point, there are a lot of, of pieces on this defense now that it can do multiple things. And so... You should be excited at least about the fact of like, you know, the thing that everyone always would talk about with these Bill Belichick game plans is how they can change tremendously from week to week. And not to say that Dan Quinn's going to come in here and be Bill Belichick, but they have the pieces now where you can see them because this certain team comes out and runs this or this team's three wides all the time or this team's more like this. They have a lot of pieces that can be moved around, you know, where you looked at last year, like, there's packages where they're bringing in C.J. Goodwin. That That's done. 
That is done. Like you bring in a guy like Keanu Neal because he can play some safety if you need him to. He can play multiple linebacker positions. Micah Parsons can play linebacker. He can come downhill, things like that. Both of these, the, uh, the defensive linemen that uh, the defensive linemen that they added in the third round, multiple different ways that they can use guys like that. Yeah, it's not going to be the same as we'd seen in previous years under Rod Marinelli. Would say, hey man, this is the base four three. This is what you got. Hey, we don't care that you know what's happening. We're coming with it. Now you got to react to us. Like I don't see that happening this year. Now, I agree with you on that point, but the thing that I would say that c- confuses me, not does it confuse me, I think it frustrates me, is the whole idea that we can go back to McCarthy's comment last year about doesn't matter, we'll take good players, make the players fit the scheme, right? That whole thing. Well, we're, we're players over scheme. And relatively different, but if there, there's a couple studies that have been out just looking at consensus mocks and things like that, and the Cowboys are one of three teams with the Saints and the Raiders who probably got the least value in their draft because they might have been overdrafting players. Now, that's later on in the draft, and we'll get to those guys here, here in a second. With Parsons at 12, there was a, there was 13, I think, thir- 13 really excellent players in this draft, right? And I think that line ended at 13 with Slater. You know, they, they got one of those guys. So I think that's kind of that you knew was going to happen at 10. You knew you were going to get one of those guys. And I woke up Thursday morning – yeah, I think I'm sure we we're all in the same boat here, kind of getting tipped off. Like, man, it just kind of sounds like both corners. There's a chance, you know. We talked about it on a podcast. What's Plan B? What's Plan C? Um, but like, it, you're right though. The actions do show frustration and almost embarrassment on defense. Now you go to Thursday night, you do the press conference. We'll, we'll save Micah Parsons off the field stuff. I don't know if we'll get into that today. Maybe we will do it in the next podcast or whatever. Because we, we do need to move on to these other guys. You have the, the thing, and uh, Stephen Jones comes out and just says it clearly. Uh, we got to get a cornerback. And I'm going, okay, at 44, they're going to take a corner. Not, not even going to try to come up and get a safety. I was just kind of looking at my cornerback board, and I have you know, so many corners available. I didn't think they had to force the issue. They take Kelvin Joseph at 44, a cornerback from Kentucky. The thing I'll tell you about Kevin Kelvin Joseph from his tape. The off-the-field stuff, that's another thing. From his tape... That is a first-round talent. That is a first-round player on tape. That is a second-round evaluation as a whole because of other stuff. Like generally, if you get tipped off, I get if I get tipped off by one person on an off-the-field thing, I typically don't really okay off the. I don't know the guy. I, I'm not really judgmental. I get three people reached out to me and they're like, "I can't believe they're doing this. I can't believe like Kelvin Joseph's not going to work in Dallas." And I'm like, "Holy cow, really?" I'm trying to like piece it all together, but why? They're like, yeah, he's, he needs to go to Buffalo or Green Bay or he needs to go somewhere else. And I'm like, ah, that's the same thing I used to hear about Dalvin Cook, you know, and, and the Vikings are and they're like, if he goes to Florida, he's going to get in trouble. All that stuff, I feel weird even talking about that stuff because you don't know the guy. But there's enough smoke and enough of a, it's almost enough of a left turn from what the previous regime was to take two guys who have off-the-field stuff that you can just go find. Like, it's out there. You can just go find it. But Kelvin Joseph's good, and he is your starting cornerback. So they mission accomplished in getting a starting quarterback. Uh, you mean, uh, you mean Boss Man Diggs. Fat, not Kel- yeah, Kelvin Yeah, Boss Joseph. Man Fat. <laughs> boss Man Fat. After they took Jabril Cox, I'm not going to lie, I, I told another reporter, what if five years from now Jabril Cox is the only player left in this draft class on the team? When I saw the, uh, you Dark. know, when I saw the uh, the draft, uh, you know, the full list of players the Cowboys took, Jabril Cox was the one that stood out to me as like 
that's a solid pick. You know, that, that, that really did. And I want to ask you guys about, um, about the pick, uh, of Joseph and the Raiders trading up and, and selecting Trevon Morig, the safety from TCU. Um, KT, what did you hear, uh, about what the Cowboys thought of Morig beforehand and did, you know, the Raiders get tipped off, maybe a Rod Marinelli connection there that the Cowboys liked him. And, uh, they said, if we want this guy, we've got to get ahead of Dallas because if he's there, that he's going to be their guy. What do you think about yeah, that? I heard that? I heard they liked Merrick, but also Steven goes in front of everyone and makes the joke of, here we go, ignoring the safety position again, and we are. And then I you know, wanted to drive my car into the tollway, like right into the guardrail of the tollway. Like it, do you think if he was there, he would have been it's a pick? It's funny. Uh, no, I think they would have taken no, the pick. Oh, he definitely wouldn't have been a pick. Yeah. Was, I, I mean, they could have had a higher pick, and they could have been picking – Four or five spots higher, and they went. They were taking Kelvin Joseph. They wanted to address corner, so they were it, going needs early. For and sure. really, look at the way the the draft unfolded. If you didn't get one of those three safeties between uh, Morig, uh, Richie Grant, and Javon Holland, those were all they were all picked before the the Cowboys even went on the clock. And then another one didn't go until Andre Cisco at the top of the third. So when they miss out on one of those guys, I think those are the three most people had is like kind of separated in their own group ahead of everyone else. And so they weren't going to do that now. What's interesting, though, would be is what if they would have gone and, and, and gotten Patrick Sertan fell to them? Then maybe that's the sp- spot where they would have been yeah. really wanting Trayvon, Trayvon Morig and didn't get a chance to get him there. And maybe then, you know, you go in another direction. But there's no question. Like, I mean, they talked to Trayvon Morig. They, they did a, uh, you know, they had a Zoom call with him and that. I know that he's a player that they liked. They just didn't like him more than Kelvin Joseph. Now, I should say that they might not, they might have had him higher on their board, but in terms of, they really needed to get a. They really wanted to get a corner after they didn't get one in the first round, and they were going to be picky about the corners that they like because it has to be this longer type, just like we had heard for you know several years with Chris Richard. And then again, actions speak louder than words. You saw the the players they've added; they're all long corners, you know, thirty two inch arms and above. Uh, and that's so that you know, I'm saying this because you know, if anybody wants to bring up you know the Asante Samuels and Elijah Moldens. You know, those are the type of guys that might not even have been on their board just because yeah. of how small they are. Greg Newsom, too, who everyone liked. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. And, and can I say this too about Parsons real quick? I know we're on to Joseph. There will be times this year when after the game we're doing our podcast and we go, man, Micah Parsons is the best player on defense. Like That that will happen multiple times this year. That won't be tough. Yeah, I wouldn't surprise you. Yeah, you can tell me. You can tell me at the end of the year that he has he leads the teams in ta- he leads the team in tackles, sacks, and interceptions. I would I wouldn't go that far. Do but it. Tackles and sacks. I could see him leading yeah. the team in those. Okay. I think I don't, Trayvon I don't Diggs, think he will, but I think he could. I think Trayvon Diggs got the interception. Oh, he should have the interception. He part should. Of okay, I'll give him force yeah. fumbles too. Then. Okay. There you go. Yeah, maybe yeah, Kelvin turnovers. Joseph too. You know, it could be Kelvin Joseph. Like right. that, there's your starting, and then and then Anthony Brown could be your could be your starting you know slot corner, right? Uh, or maybe it's Jordan Lewis, and maybe they have that competition for another year, right? That's fine. They didn't seem too concerned about that. They seemed concerned about getting the outside cornerback, no matter what, and they did. The thing about Kelvin Joseph, gosh, it's so uh, it's so frustrating that it's like it. I didn't think they would double dip in two guys that had issues. Or off, quote unquote, off the field issues. Again, I, I'm very uncomfortable talking about this. Like the Parsons thing, though. I mean, that's an alleged sexual assault. <laughs> I mean, it's what that is. When you look at the details, the Kelvin Joseph stuff, it's more personality based. He did get, you know, he did leave the school. Um, was he kicked out of Kentucky or did he leave the school? I'm like, not sure. There's, 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 there's things there that are very like almost uncertain. But like you know, we've talked about the kind of the annoyance of the. Uh, I don't know, kind of like the um, the me type of branding of uh, um, a boss man. Fat. Maybe he's like Dion, well, and he can't separate yeah. prime time from Dion. He can't separate boss man fat from Kelvin Joseph. Sometimes it's just I, they cross I, over. I don't, I don't care about the rap stuff. Like I think it's awesome. Yeah, I think it's badass that he's got yeah. tons of rap albums. Uh, six six rap albums actually. Like I think <laughs> that's great. Um, you know, I'll go straight to the beast for this because it's a little easier. Okay, How about we go to Dane's guide. Um, some of his coaches, some of his former coaches, went to bat for him, uh, but some don't. He needs to grow up, according to one former coach. Um, scouts say his rapping passion might supersede his football passion. Suspended for the 2018 bowl game for a violation of team rules, had one foot out the door before the season was over. And coaches directed him to opt out. Uh, immaturity and accountability issues. The thing that I was told is like nothing. Uh, and I don't know if you guys heard some of the same the same things, but someone texted me this. Um, There's basically it's nothing that's like getting in trouble, like fights. It's just the all in, the 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 overall all in. And we're so accustomed to the Jason Garrett era of only drafting you know A plus students. Uh, you know all, all that you know, the type of thing. Guys who just love football and you know eat, sleep, drink football. And that may not be the case with this guy. And well, my well, problem, if he's there to play and he's good, then I don't really care about that stuff. You brought up a good point earlier on because it's it's very true because I've heard this about after they took Michael Parsons too is the, uh, I don't know if Dallas is the best fit for him. And it's not the same as the other 31 teams. Like all teams are not, you're not the same situation. There's When you're a cowboy and as you mentioned, some of the stuff off the field, KT, like there's not only a chance for it to get magnified, but you're also put in situations where, you know, because of the star and the brand that can really lead you down the wrong path 
there's going to be people around you that can possibly lead you down that wrong path, maybe more so than other teams, if, if you kind of get what I'm putting down. This is a bad place for Pac-Man Jones to be. There you go. Right. Yeah, yeah. Where, and, you and know that's what I'm saying. And it's about what – it's not just even about the team. It's also about the room too, right? I mean, if you draft a wide receiver with the same issues and that room – has Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup in it. That's one thing. Right. You draft Kelvin Joseph. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying Trevon Diggs and and these guys aren't great. He's a second year player. I mean, Jordan Lewis. You know, again, not not that same leadership that you have in that room. So again, you pick a you pick a quarterback who has some rap rap interests and isn't all in. Wide receiver, um, tight end. When Jason Witten was here, something like that. You feel a little bit better about it. You pick someone and put them in a room where there's barely any leadership, anyways. Then you're thinking you're talking a little bit more risky here. You lose Tyrone Crawford in that yep. regard. You lose Sean Lee in that regard. Uh, and I'm not saying that Tank's not capable of being a leader. I think he probably is. Different um, kind. Uh, a different kind, definitely a different style, and everyone's a different. But that, you can't deny, and I I hope they didn't overlook this. The somewhat fragile tension that's been in that defensive side of the locker room over the last couple of years, because that's been a thing. It's unavoidable. That has been a thing. And it's mainly because probably just not getting the job done on the field. It's probably the main reason of it. And your first two picks to tell you that you don't give a crap about it. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Uh, and and you know what? You might be better. So maybe it doesn't matter. And maybe that's the way they're looking at it. So, I mean, I've got, I've got less of a problem with those two guys then I do the fifth the, the fifth round pick. What do you between, um, between Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn and obviously Jerry and Steven, Will McClay, this isn't their first year. They aren't new to this. If if they were comfortable going this in this direction, they have to know what the possibilities are, you know, negatively. And so they have to feel confident that they have either the guys that can do be the leaders or there's a little bit of a feeling of let them sort it out themselves. We're trying to get the best 11 guys on the field. We want the best 11 players out there. If they're not the, the greatest, they don't love, like aren't the greatest of teammates, you know, behind the scenes, as long as they get the, out there on Sunday and we get the best 11 guys making plays and we're significantly improved from last year, we'll let all the other stuff sort itself out. What did you think Marty about the, the corners that they had on the board at that time, KT, compared to Joseph? At 44? Yeah. Uh, get my board up right here. Were, I mean, were, like, was he the no, guy for no. you? Or, or I know Dane had him ranked around his 70th player on his top 100 or something, and Cowboys drafted him at 44. So, you know, is, is was, that a reach talent wise? No, no, Dane no, would even not, say Dane even said that talent wise, he I mean he'd have a much higher. It's because of the off the field stuff is why he dropped him. Got it. Got yeah, it. Yeah, dude, Kelvin Joseph, honestly, probably a top 25 talent in this draft. That's great to hear. Um, yeah. The thing is, though, when, when Eric Stokes went at the end of the first and then the safety started going off the board, who knows what they would have done at safety. It was very clear that they were going, you know, I, I think about Mel Fonwu, whom I might have liked. Well, he didn't go to, like, pick 101. You know, Paulson Adebo. So, like, Kelvin Joseph was kind of the last guy in that area of long corner that you might have actually been comfortable taking at 44. That's good. So they kind that's, of got lucky in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's another thing though. Why did, if they liked Parsons so much, then why did Parsons say that he hadn't talked to Dan Quinn? Like Parsons basically said he had, he had barely even talked to the Cowboys. That's like, correct. Man, they sure act, they sure acted like he was the number one defensive player. On their they board. didn't think they were going to draft him. 
until they had to. Guys, this worked out fine the last time it happened with Morris Claiborne. Calm down. I, just, <laughs> I, just, I don't know if it makes a ton of sense. I know they do they do their things their way, and they're going to be like, you're an idiot, stick to your day job. But, but like, the whole idea of we're going to meet the week of the draft and we're going to stack our board together seems so insane to me. And then you have this situation where it's like Parsons is openly saying, well, I haven't talked to him. What? Well, Parsons what did do a Zoom call with them, but um, Mike McCarthy wasn't on it, like, which is incredible. Doing? That's incredible. It is pretty incredible. What are we doing? Okay, let's get a third round. We have let's just see where it goes, round. guys. I think Garrett would have <laughs> yeah. drafted a guy he'd never talked to. Guys, the defense can't be any worse. <laughs> uh, third round, Adrian Quesada. Uh, a friend and lead guitar player of the Black Pumas had the task of announcing pick number 75. He did well. Osa Odigizuwa of uh, the uh, of UCLA Bruins. And that is your pick at 75. I'm, I'm what's your first you what thing? What, what's the first thing you thought of when they took him? The first thing I thought of was he's the fifth round player on my board. He's a fifth round player on my board. My first oh, thing I, I thought thinking, of was how his brother flamed out in the And NFL. how his brother was a thirty <laughs> visit and Oh yeah. You know, that's and it didn't even I don't know, two years Same I think it was with the Giants. I, think. I guess yeah. I guess this this was the draft of like brothers and siblings and 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 sons and you know, this right. was like so much association with previous drafts. <laughs> so with both of those guys, from everything I've read is that they're supposed to be the better the better of the two of, of their brothers, but then again, we're in draft season, so who wouldn't say that? So I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Well, I thought that they might take Melifonwu at ninety nine based on that, knowing that they had met with Obi too a couple of years ago. Yeah. And they kind of get and I, long, like he's long, like he's kind of what they would want for sure. And he slipped all the way to one hundred one somehow, and that's a whole different thing oh, with Osa. And then at eighty four, we can kind of lump these guys together here for time purposes. Chauncey Golston, a defensive end from Iowa. These felt like more safer type picks. Guys with a a higher floor, if you will, maybe a lower ceiling, but a higher floor, and and kind of what you talked about, John, versatility on the defensive line. You kind of move these guys around anywhere on the defensive line. But I was not, I was more excited about Golston than Odigizuwa because I had better notes on Golston, quite frankly. But that's just me, you know. Who knows what they had. It sounds like Odigizua just killed it at the Senior Bowl, and that's like really helped his stock. Whether it was the practices yeah. or the actual game, I guess he was off the charts, and uh, that was one of the things that they looked at. So that I don't, I, yeah, I can't sit here and tell you that I knew a ton about him, other than the fact that obviously his brother was a guy that the Cowboys had interested in, and that didn't work out with him with the Giants. But that doesn't mean that this player won't work out. But it certainly brings in more competition. You know, they didn't get a chance to get a Christian, you know, Barmore, which obviously we would have been intrigued by because. We talked about him so much, yeah. But uh, you knew they were going to address. He went to Philadelphia, and edge though, so, uh, or, or, didn't he? So aren't aren't we going to have to face him? In, didn't he go to the NFC NFC East or something? I don't know. Washington, maybe. Uh, Barmore. Uh, this is the hardest part. I mean, about I can't speak for how you guys cover the draft, but for me, like it's going to be at least another two days for me to catch up on what any other team did. Just especially when you have 11 picks, <laughs> like it's like constantly like yeah. a conference call with somebody. It's like going back, writing, trying to write like, you know what you're talking about, about somebody you really don't know much about, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know, like undrafted rookie free agents slash seventh round corners that are taken late in the third round, stuff like that. And then you're trying to like dig into 
police reports and things like that about guys with characters. Well, it was the Patriots. It's, it's Patriots just real hard up. to keep up with all that stuff. Patriots but anyway, up to grab him. That's what it was. Um, I did keep up with that Lions draft, and it was pretty impressive. Speaking of Melifonwu, sorry. Anyway, I digress. Well, I know. Uh, Saad, do you have any thoughts on Golston or Odigizua that you'd like to throw in? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I, I think both were guys that I, weren't necessarily as high on on you know people's boards. But Osa for me was more someone who, again, I'll t- I'll take I'll admit here this is more of just like what I had heard. I think I even took him in one of our mock drafts. So I, I liked Osa, Chauncey Golston. I honestly just didn't know much about, and I didn't know what he's able to do, what kind of strengths he has. But um, but I like the Osa pick, even though I think it was a little it was a little reaching, and I, to see like you know some of the corners that were still on the board there. I know you had just taken Kelvin Joseph, but I still think there were some corners that I preferred over that. But you know, I, I didn't hate that pick at all. Another guy, the, the Golson thing makes me want to keep an eye on Ronnie Perkins, who he went to the Patriots too uh, from Oklahoma, that edge rusher. So if this guy all of a sudden yeah. turns in as being somebody that's uh, you know double digit sacks, that that one won't be lost. Had Perkins graded way above, way way above um, a Golston, but, but it's fine. I, I, but you I know, it's a different. Wait, what's the difference though? Decent it's player. The, it's like the length, you know, and it's like the size. The like, length. Ronnie Perkins is a smaller guy, and they went with. I mean, every one of these defensive picks. I mean, even the even the D tackle that they guys. took, like they're all tall, long arms, stuff like that. It's almost like they value that even more so than maybe even production at, at the college level. The, the bummer about Odigizuwa at 75 is they took uh, the Saints took Paulson Adebo, the Stanford uh, cornerback at 76, I believe. And I was going, damn it, they could have waited till 75 to get the outside corner, but they thought mm-hmm. they needed to get this one. Adebo's not yeah. the talent that Kelvin Joseph is, but Adebo has no, uh, you know, those off the field type questions, and they could have done something else at, you know, 44, where it's like, okay, Walker Little's the tackle from Stanford's there, Cosme the tackle from. Texas, but they again, it doesn't matter because there was a run on D line early in that era or in that second, um, second day though. Um, KT early before the Cowboys made their yeah. pick, all those good D linemen were pretty much off the board, yeah. So, hey, what yeah. about Steven saying after the third round that they considered a wide receiver somewhere in there? That really had me guess on who oh, they were talking God. about. It made me think it was like maybe, maybe the Amron St. Brown from USC. Did you, did, they did talk to him, they had a meeting with him. Uh, do you know who it was? Who was that? It was Anthony Schwartz, the wide receiver from Auburn. From Auburn. And you know, I've heard Dane say many times Anthony Schwartz is legit one of the fastest people in the world. Okay. But Anthony Schwartz, I've got a play that I remember. I'll try to explain this very quickly. There's a play where Anthony Schwartz is looking for a ball down the field, but he's looking at the Gatorade coolers on the sideline rather than on the field where the ball actually was. Anthony Schwartz doesn't know how to play wide receiver. So, but they they were considering taking him in the third round. Um, they get to ninety nine, and I'm going, man, Elijah Molden's there, but I don't know if they would do it. Melifon was there, might as well double dip at cornerback, right? Melifon was there, said he's got the length that they want. Maybe Baron Browning, if they wanted to double dip at linebacker, Jabril Cox, we talked about. You know, there were tons of players there, but whatever. They take Nashawn Wright, the cornerback from Oregon State, who. Goes 99 in a draft of 32 teams in which Dane Brugler had him as his 38th ranked cornerback. Now, irrational me went to bed kind of pissed off on Friday night. Rational me woke up and watched some Oregon State tape and went, 
I mean, I would take him in the sixth round, but like, I hope it works out for this kid. He he can't move. He can't turn. It's like I, it's I, like he, they just saw the turn. they saw the measurables and they drafted based on like oh six four. How long is his arms? All right, those are our guys. <laughs> Absolutely, and and that guy right <laughs> there, had, I believe that guy had the longest arms of any corner. Yeah. I think it was at thirty four inches. I think they drafted the he, he two did. tallest corners in this draft. Um, uh, the Cowboys did. So I, I, I watched two of his games, and yeah, there's times like it's like, yeah, okay, uh, the length is definitely helping him here. But like, dude, he can't turn and run. You just see it. It's just not fluid. It's not. It's tough. Like for those high hit, uh, high hipped guys, I get it. Like it's like a shot at him. It's just why were we doing this at 99? You never remember. They came. Reminds back. me of uh, another Kentucky corner, Chris Westry. Remember? Oh yeah, Westry, really yeah. long guy. What about turn. Reggie Robinson? Couldn't turn. Can't they just drafted him last year. Yeah. Yep. I, I think for me also with this pick, it, this is going to be – and it's weird because, again, this is the fourth-round pick. It's not It's not a premium pick, but this is going to be the the T.J. Watt, the, uh, the, the Juan Thornhill type of process because right after that, you see Elijah Molden, Melifon Wu, and Ambry Thomas all go in, consec- in, in consecutive picks. And now th- this is going to be the guy who, if he is out of the league, if he is not on the team, if he doesn't pan out, and any of those three guys, Molden, Melifonwu, or Ambry Thomas, are all balling out in the league, this is going to be the one where everyone's going, well, you could have had him. And and for everybody on the outside, it was kind of obvious that you take any of those three guys over him. And uh, and so that I, I think this is what that pick becomes. The only... If you're looking to to give the Cowboys a break, all I'll say is I remember I thought they were reaching on Travis Frederick. And I think everyone thought they were reaching on Travis Frederick, right? So, I mean, Travis Frederick was probably like a, what, third-round pick or something, second or third-round grade? Second or third, for sure. Yeah. And, and so, and and look, they they I guess they did their homework. That worked out. He, he probably, in retrospect, goes higher than he did uh, when where he did go. So um, that's if you're doing that. But I still think, when you when you have as many draft picks as you do, and nobody really, at least on the outside, has this guy on their boards, you probably could have got him in the fifth round or whatever, and you could have got any of those three guys that went right after. Him. And because they've paid Dak, and because they've paid you know Zach Martin and Amari and all these players, Zeke, they're going to be very limited continuing going forward in terms of spending in any of free agency. And Stephen Jones made that very clear throughout any press conference he was he was a part of this past weekend. And he talked about the importance of getting these guys in the draft because you get them on these four years, some guys five-year contracts, and they don't cost you a ton. So with all of that in mind, plus the fact that we all know how bad this defense was, like if any of these guys that were taken in the first three rounds don't contribute at all, it's a, it's, it's a, it's leaves open a huge door for criticism that they absolutely have to take because they had all these picks. They d- addressed all on defense. They need these guys to play because they don't, they're not going to have money to be going out and signing free agents. So these guys have to be, I'm not saying that they have to turn into pro bowlers, but they have to be guys that can contribute. And I'm talking everybody from Golson to Wright uh, to Odigizua. Like they need something out of these guys. And it's got to be more than just contributing on special teams. I, I don't see, I, granted, I only watched two of his games. So I'm going to be completely fair. But I don't see how you could watch two of his games and say that he's a better player than Millifon Wu, Molden, or Ambry, Ambry Thomas. And this also tells me scheme over player. And that's what I was told was going to be the exact opposite last year by the head coach. That's becomes a bit of yeah, a Yeah, if you're going scheme over player, I don't know how you uh, 
Um, or if you are, if you're going, yeah, I don't know how you wouldn't take Ronnie Perkins. Yeah, at some point too, Ronnie. If Perkins you're just trying there. to get the best player, I don't know how you wouldn't take Ronnie Perkins. But okay. so, that they know. reached on some of those guys, but they came back on their little moped and totally redeemed themselves as they yeah, take they Jabril Cox at 115, probably the greatest value in the draft uh, in terms of the Cowboys. Um, and Jabril Cox is a bad run linebacker, but he is very good in pass coverage. Um, probably to me, will probably serve as Leighton Vanderesh's backup from the beginning. Is my vibe on that. Um, I could be wrong. See how they work Jabril Cox into into it, but that feels like that's probably the thing. There's some good insurance if Vanderesh gets hurt. Yeah, I was surprised. That, I mean, I was surprised that he was still there. I believe the Cowboys had a second round grade on him. A lot of teams, a lot of experts had him as going a second, third round pick. He was clearly that guy after the second day that everyone was like, "Wow, I can't believe this guy's still out there," and he falls to them. And it's one of those things where maybe they just. They were like, this value is too good, even after already taking a linebacker in the first round. But I think it also speaks to what I said earlier, that Dan Quinn watched the tape of these linebackers, and he knew that their upgrades were needed. And um, I will say Jabril Cox seems like a pretty high-character guy. I don't think you have to worry about him off the field. No, no, no. Yeah, you, think in two, you guys think in two years this Jalen uh, Layton tandem becomes the Parsons-Cox tandem? It has to be. It has to be. If it's not, it's because... They brought Vanderesh back, not on a fifth-year option, but they just signed him because no one else wanted him. Or because Jalen becomes, you know, Pro Bowl status again. You know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> That's That was a very sarcastic laugh by KT. You can't see the video. But. Uh, yeah. I, I, hey, man, since we're taking hey, How much player, do you think um, – Oh, yeah. This is a really random, but how much do you think uh, Sean, Sean Lee slash Penn State had anything to do with them with Parsons? None, none, nope. I mean, he's a guy that didn't even didn't even play there last year. Oh, I know year, he you didn't. Know? Uh, yeah. I don't think that. No, nah, I don't think that factored in. I think the freak nature of his athletic ability and the different ways that you can use him on defense. I think those things all put him in a position where it wouldn't matter if he went to North Dakota State. Maybe I think, I- yeah. I just know they've always liked like Penn State linebackers, and uh, you know, it, it it made it made a lot of sense. Uh, that you know they would fill a void with another one. And true. Well, I, you know what? Hey, Kent, they just like linebackers. I mean, how many other teams are taking you know Leighton <laughs> Vanderesh in the first round, Micah Parsons in the first round, Jalen Smith in the early second, like that? Like linebackers, are not they a like the high ceiling, big risk, big reward guys. And you know that's Jalen and Leighton. You know, but Layton I mean, just even at linebacker though, yeah, it's, it's just interesting because it's a position that it's not like teams are adding more linebackers. It's I mean, like, it's, it's a position a where a lot of teams aren't willing to take risks, but the Cowboys are, <laughs> you know, a lot well, of teams are of, like, I'll take Von Miller. I'll take, you know, who, whoever your mid first round guy is. That's going to be my, you know, by Brian Erlach or whoever, but, well, it's uh, kind of yeah, like the running back of the defense guys so. at the Cowboys like, yeah, they yeah. like investing in running backs. So. Cowboys love taking the least positional values, but they also take a lot of corners too. Um, and, and edge rushers and things like that. You know, one thing I would say, the, the Penn State, I'm just being truthful, the Penn State correlation that you brought up, Ken, is not the one that I immediately thought about with with Micah Parsons. And I, it sucks, but I can't wipe that out of my head because the details of what allegedly happened are out there. Like, so, you know. I can't help but think of Jerry when, you know, that, that day Penn, uh, Sean Lee retired, you know, tell us, can Sean be like, hey, Sean, how would you like to, uh, you know, replace you with another uh, – 
another Nittany Lion with a little wink, you know, and, you know, having a little combo. If they're op- are operating like that, I mean, let's just not even play the game. So let's just shut it down. They, but they <laughs> might be. <laughs> no way. No, no way. Not. That's that sounds great for like a fictitious book. But there's just there's no way you would do that in the first round like that. There, it, I know that, of course. I mean, there's just too many people in that room that Jerry, like, here's the thing about Jerry, like, everyone likes the good stories about Jerry, but one of the biggest things is just, you know, who he's listening to. He listens yes. to Will McClay. And oh, I know. I'm not taken. saying, I'm not saying Sean Lee influenced him to make the pick, but I just think, like, that's a, that's a storyline Jerry would love. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he's got to <laughs> John is shaking his head. Well, there's nothing wrong with, wrong with liking not. stories. <laughs> Oh my God! I hope that that's not. If you don't think the Cowboys think about marketing before they draft players, then <laughs> that's they, fine. They I get that. We we all know that that goes on, but to that level, no, that no, you're no. almost taking that over. Like, I don't care about the character concerns. We got another Penn State hey, listen, linebacker. Listen, no, that's hey, hey, listen, listen. At the end of the day, something we can probably all agree on was like Micah Parsons stood out like a freaking sore thumb there at that position. Unless you're going to, unless it's for Sean Slater, I would have been pissed if they had passed on Parsons. To be completely honest with you, uh, would you guys have been? I wouldn't. Have, I and I wouldn't have. No. I mean, what's, I to what's the alternative? Like, is the alternative getting two first round picks? Then I wouldn't be so pissed. Honestly, with all the cards now that have been played, I don't think that they're taking Rashawn Slater. I think they're trading back even more. Right. The alternative. I mean, Jerry yeah, said that they back had, and you try to get, try to, you know. Jerry said they were on the phone all day. They talked to multiple teams. There were multiple opportunities to trade back and do several moves to trade back. Right. So if it's not Parsons, I bet you that they end up uh, trading back a little bit further. And then all of a sudden you got four, four third round picks I'm saying and another you, second. You, you pass on to Parsons. take some flyers and some guys with long arms. Yeah, you pass on Parsons, he, you know, he goes to New York or or whatever it is, and then your defense sucks next year and in 2 years Micah Parsons is a is a great player. I mean, yeah. you guys can just disagree. say like you've got you've got a you've got to add value when you have the opportunity to. And and that, you guys that's can, the thing. It's like just effing make the pick, man. Just do You it. guys can disagree with me on this, but I really don't I think all that like division stuff's overrated anyway. The only, way, oh, yeah. the only way it matters to no, me. I just made a team. The only that, way that's it matters they were to right me. After the Cowboys. Yeah, I just say after they did the trade, you know, you see people talking, oh, well, you know, those receivers. And the, the rece- there's going to be good teams are going to have good players. The only time it matters to me, and, and are these two, is if it's a, a franchise type quarterback. Like, I'm not trying mm-hmm. to trade back with the Giants so they can come up and get Justin Fields. Like, don't right. want to do that. The other would be in, a, in, a, in the rare elite of the elite type Chase Young edge rushers. I'm not trying to get that guy. I mean, those guys wreck your entire division. Like I wouldn't be that worried about, you know, if, if they got the same if offer, guys. if they got the same offer that the giants did from the bears though, to come up to 10, if that, if that happened and they didn't take that, that's effing crazy because yeah, I'm sure well, they did. I don't, I'll take, I don't think that it was that sweet. There's no way. Yeah. I, I think Bob Sturm wrote the next day that, that it wasn't that it wasn't anywhere close. Okay. So, okay, yeah. Good. So just FYI. So the bears didn't yeah. offer, Next year's first to get up to no, ten, but they no. did that to get up to eleven. Yeah, I find yes. it hard to believe that they didn't offer that. If but they, if they that, offered I, that, then you take it because they have Andy Dalton right. as their quarterback and Justin Fields. So like, they're probably going right. to win yeah. four games next year. And they're hey, the Bears. KT, seriously, seriously speaking, let's speak on this real quick. Is this not like for me? Like I thought about this. And I know you're going to have your own view on that, but like. Is that day not like one of the best days in like Bears history? 
like in the last, right. I don't know, at least decade. The fact that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay and then you finally get like a, a quarterback that like, I mean, again, I'm not some quarterback guru, but 10 times out of 10, if you tell me I got to pick just off college tape between Mitch Trubisky and Justin Fields, I'm taking Justin Fields every time. Like this is by far the best quarterback that that franchise has got. And, right. I, and it happens on the same day that Aaron Rodgers makes it very clear that, okay, even he might play one more year in Green Bay, but there's it's clear you're not going to have to worry about this guy being in, in your division for the next four or five more years. Like, he's gone. And like, What um, a great day for the Bears. And uh, the, the Vikings seem to go all in on Kellen Mond as their quarterback of the future, too, which might not... Uh... I know work. I just great. know the Bears fans really hate the Packers, and so well, that was the pick of the draft, in my opinion. Day. Was was the Justin Fields pick? That, that, to yeah, me, that was great. the, the that, what the Bears did within, and then to get the the offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins. To yeah. me, though, that's the strongest like first you know two picks of the whole draft. Maybe yeah, aside thought, from like what Jacksonville did or something. <laughs> yeah, I thought the Justin Fields like that him falling down as much as he did kind of surprised me. I like I do think. I, I, I don't know. I do think Dwayne Haskins had something to do with it. I like I, I don't know how much that's how, how much you put into that, but but it just feels very unreasonable for Justin Fields to tumble as far as he did and not even have teams come up and trade up with the Broncos or with the Panthers. To, I mean, you traded up to, to eleven to go get him, like why not eight or nine? And I just I don't know. I just feel like that had something to do with it. I also thought, damn, Andy Dalton might have stayed here if he knew this was gonna happen. Right? No, Not I think a- I think Andy's still going to be the starter. I mean, they're still guaranteeing him the starter, and, and the only way he's not going to be the starter is if he's terrible. You know, so it really he's not great. It's like either they're winning with Dalton, or he he loses his job to Justin Fields. You know, and and so I, think I don't. I mean, how can Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace? Here we are on a Bears podcast about them Bears. Um, yeah, we just did a we just did a Hogan John and Ryan this, Pace afford that. Like they're on their last. This is their ninth line. Yeah, they have Nick Foles. They gotta too, go young. By the way. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah Nick Foles. That, hey, that, it's a crazy situation. Foles wasn't yeah. an option. No, you know maybe the only thing I would say about the the division is is the pick that stuck out was Devontae Smith. Maybe you're right, John. That teams will have great receivers regardless. Well, he was going to probably go to the Giants. If he didn't go to the right, Eagles. Right. He was. Yeah. He was going to be the Eagles pick. I mean, he like. I, I don't think there was any way the Cowboys were going to like like do anything to keep him from going to Philadelphia, right? But at the same time, that's going to be scary <laughs> yeah. you know, for the Cowboys. In fact, let's uh, give it a couple Who's days. Who's throwing him the ball? Well, hey, 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 man. Hey, <laughs> they drafted I mean, another what quarterback. What are we worried about? Didn't they draft like a fourth uh, rounder? This, uh, let's come back like, next week or later in the week when we do our next podcast. Let's let's take a, a peek at the other three teams around the division. Give it a couple, you know. Yes, yes, we will. We'll do a, We'll do a full look and see what you know, everybody did and how they stack up. But what are the, uh, the yeah. late round picks here, KT? We should KT, also... real quick. Yeah, go ahead, son. Well, I'm just saying, I, I don't want to go too off the rails here, but you brought up Andy Dalton. Uh, just saying, how big were those wins against the 49ers and the uh, and the Eagles late last year? Oh, yeah. I know, I, I know we're not, I, I'm not, we never, I don't advocate for tanking or anything like that. I'm just saying, Andy Dalton, I mean, you probably get certain or Horn. Um, if Andy Dalton is is not your backup quarterback last year. Well, I'll say this about those two. Like, I thought that, like, they would be good picks for the Cowboys, but, like, I don't look at either of them. Like, they're Jalen Ramsey anyway. So it's like, even that, like, if... Yeah. I'll put it to you this way. If they did this stuff that you're talking about and missed out on <laughs> Chase Young, 
Yeah. Then you do. But like those corners, yeah. like I think they're going to be good players. Don't get me wrong. And and if you, I would have said this when last week, like I didn't think like Patrick Sertan isn't a guy that I'm like, man, this guy's going to get like six or seven picks every year. He's going to be the next Stefan Gilmore or something like that. Like I didn't like, I think he's a really good corner. Don't get me wrong. And then also I like that his basement is super high. Like I would have loved them taking him. You wouldn't have to worry about the off the field stuff. And it's, it's a nice safe pick, but like, if you told me five years from now, Michael Parsons has had a better impact and they look back at this draft and they're like, man, I can't believe that they would have taken one of those corners over Parsons. He's like one of the best linebackers in the league. Like I wouldn't be totally stunned by that. Well, also let's keep this in mind because uh, Saad brought up those games from last year, but life in general is just a bunch of moments coming, coming together, you know, and if you have taken a left instead of a right, maybe something would be a little bit different. If you had made one other decision, John, maybe you're not a writer. Maybe you're doing something else in life. Sure. If Caleb Farley's back isn't hurt, maybe another team takes Caleb Farley, or maybe Caleb right. Farley is there for you. Caleb Farley's back uh, injury about six weeks before the draft, that's what even started the Horn versus Sertan discussion in the first place. That's my biggest issue was a lot of people were like moving Horn up, and I'm like, just put them on there where you have them. Like I didn't think Sertan and Horn was that close. I thought Sertan's a pretty a, a better player than Horn. You see, one of the other things, one of the other things that we'll be bringing up in several podcasts in future years is the same thing that I always brought up this past year. Uh, when everyone wants to talk about this quote unquote boatload that teams are going to trade up for a quarterback if one's there, I missed that boatload that was coming to the Cowboys that when Justin Fields and Mac Jones were both there, just like there was no boatload for the teams that wanted to trade up and ended up getting Tua and Justin Herbert by just sitting right where they're at. Like it just gets overblown because we talk about the draft so much about this boatload to trade up like all the time. Like, yeah, if you're in the top five, you might get that boatload. But if you're back there at 10, it gets to a certain point where teams are just like, yeah, the guy's still there. Like, we'll move back. Like, or or yeah. we can come up like a little bit or whatever. But like this whole idea that, oh, if you're there and there's a good quarterback out there, oh, somebody's gonna give you three ones and two twos and four fours. And it's like, no, it doesn't really happen all the time like that. No, and we make the exceptions the rule sometimes. It happens every now and then, and then we think that just because it happened that one time that we're all waiting for the next Herschel Walker deal or right. something. Like and, and no, that happens once in a sport, you know, like it does not happen. So I agree it, with that. It happens. Okay, hey, real quick, it, it, real quick. Yeah. They don't re-sign Dak. They take Justin Fields right there? Yes. Yes, absolutely. What if they would have taken Mac Jones? I would kill myself. <laughs> 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 it, it happens when they go. It does happen, though, when you're trading up into the top five or top three. Because San Francisco, Hold the on. boatload is three first to get up to three. Hold on, though. There's another card here to play. This also comes on the same day that it's been made pretty clear that Aaron Rodgers wants out. Oh, dang it. Your head coach is Mike McCarthy. That's not going to happen there. Okay, yeah, you still go Justin Fields. <laughs> there's a lot. You know, we got to talk about the Josh Ball thing too, but let's do that next time. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Because we need to talk about that. Maybe we'll hit on some of their other day three selections. And then uh, we're going to talk. We'll have some audio from Jerry and uh, Dan Quinn. And then we'll what, also one, talk one about last the question. Other, other division. Uh, yeah. One last little, we'll get out of here on this, KT. Who is one player, you know, maybe through the three days that you you had your eye on and you were disappointed that the Cowboys didn't pick? You know, every year there's one. There's a Pet Cats. There's, you know, the Xavier Woods, the guys like that that you want the Cowboys to go grab. Who was that player this year that, uh, that they didn't make a move on? Uh, it was a defensive lineman that the Eagles ended up getting, Marlon Tuilapotu. Uh, yeah. From USC, really good defensive lineman. I guess yeah. he's hurt because I have no idea how he fell to the fifth round. Um, it doesn't make sense that he fell to the fifth round. 
He's a very good player. And that's kind of the guy I was like, damn, the Eagles got him. The Eagles got a really good running back in Kenneth Gainwell, too, because there was a point in the draft on day three where I was going, I don't have a problem with these guys taking a runner because if Pollard or Zeke gets hurt, you know, you're going to yeah. need another that runner. That surprised me, too. They didn't address running back uh, or, you know, take Sam Ellinger late in the draft or something like that. Uh, that uh, that surprised me a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think to wrap this up, what we talked about literally, I think the the day after the season ended was the Cowboys can pick not one offensive player in this draft and we'd all be fine with that. And that's pretty mm-hmm. much what happened. I think that, you know, the front office and the scouting staff felt the same way. It's like, uh, we feel really good about what we have skill position wise, especially since they re-signed guys, they got Dak and, um, Hey, and, and they, they got a wide receiver in the fifth round that if they needed wide yeah. receivers, they might've taken in the third or fourth. Right. Right. That seems so like he could a, end up being a guy that, might end up being like a pretty nice piece that we look right. You know, yeah. another year from now, and we're like, dang, that's that's pretty good get there for the fifth round. So that 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 to me is is you know just reinforces Mike McCarthy's uh, urgency <laughs> to be better next year on defense, and yeah. um, because you know they get a new defensive coordinator and and they they put out that performance last year. If they're not even a, a mid tier defense, he's out of here. So he's not he's not trying to risk that. Yeah, I think they're. I think the front office too. Like, I think they can handle. Uh, you know, obviously, Matt. I think they can handle losing close. I don't think they can handle being embarrassed. I think that that really eats at them a little yes, bit. Yes, exactly. And I yep. think there's a clear like, this is embarrassing. Let's get this fixed. Yeah, we can't be having these lack of effort podcasts every week either. Right. Yeah, if we do that again, I'm probably probably out, guys. Not gonna lie, I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> we gotta try harder. Uh, uh, no, I, uh, I had fun talking about this stuff. Let's, let's come back again, uh, later in the week though. Cause there's some more stuff to unpack. Um, again, that Josh Ball thing's gotta be talked about too. Like we gotta, we gotta get into that. See what the other teams in the division did. And hear what Dan Quinn and, uh, Jerry had to say as well. Uh, we'll do that next time. So for Father John Bashota, who has tons of content for you right now on The Athletic. Just go, just go find S- Search John Bashota, add him to your favorites. Under authors. I did. He's one of my favorite authors. Got it right there. Oh, who else do I have? Saad Youssef covering the stars who are... Woo! It's coming down to crunch time, Saad. The stars trying to make the playoffs here. He's their stars beat writer, and he does so much more. So make sure you're following Saad. And for our producer, Kent Garrison, who has uh, been doing great work on so many of our uh, NFL podcasts, including the NFL show, and also prospects to pros throughout the draft prospect as well. And this one. I'm KT. We'll see you next time on About Them Cowboys. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless.